Orlando, welcome to the Ozone Podcast, the voice of Magic fans. Another Magic Podcast? Oh, man. Now, wait, wait, wait. I know what you're thinking, but I promise you, I promise you, it's going to be a little different. Check this out. Alright guys, we finally made it. We finally get all of us in the same room. Uh, ultimate goal is is really just to have a conversation, a real conversation about magic basketball. And it's, it's crazy to think because if, if we really look around the table, you know, we're having a table discussion, but we have a lot of different platforms going on. You know, me and myself, I have um, the Instagram, Orlando Magic HQ that I'm, I'm super proud of, have a lot of passion for, um, but we, we, all, we also have some interesting things. Yeah, like for me, I have the Zone BB. I'm sure uh, some of you guys listening to this podcast are going to be familiar. I created that just to cover the Orlando Magic from a fan's perspective, and that's been going really well. And for me, it was just, again, something that I started for fun uh, with the Pure Magic 407 Twitter account, now rebranded it as the Ozone. Um, again, just something that grew on its own, and I do it for fun, but again, it, it brought us all together. Um, and then... We have Mark here as well, who is our Magic fan perspective. Yes, yes, I'm the odd one of the group. Uh, I don't have a social media platform, so for me it's a little different. But I am a diehard Magic fan. I still keep up with all the news and the numbers along with it. I think what makes that cool, I mean, I, I've, I've, I'm sure just like all of you, we've been following Magic for a little while. But, I mean, if you really think about it, I mean, almost 10 years ago, the way that you were able to get uh, Magic information, you were very limited on your sources. You had to either wait for, you know, news to come out on Orlando Sentinel. You had to watch ESPN to see the, the little rolling bar at the bottom. <laughs> um, I used to use Real GM and Hoops Hype all the time. And, Hype, yes. you know, everything has been, everything has grown so much that now you're able to get information quick on, on Twitter. You can get it quick on Instagram if you're following my page. Sometimes you know, it feels like you get news faster than the players. That, that's <laughs> right. Oh, that's, that's true. Right. That's right. That's, that's right. right. <laughs> And I think that's what makes this whole entire thing um, pretty fun to do because we're, again, we're able to come together and really have, you know, a conversation, you know, and I, and I think that's what's going to be the, the biggest thing that, you know, our, the, the listeners are really going to enjoy. And I think, yeah, I think, like you mentioned, I, I, that's what I think brought us together, too. We, we all got to know each other through social media. I kind of started reaching out to you guys individually recently about this plan, this vision that I had about creating this podcast. And it's funny how we had a, a quick little meeting uh, in downtown Orlando recently um, and I think we all at the same time just realized this is an incredible idea. We all want to do this. How do we make it happen? And here we are, guys. It's finally here. Yeah, I think uh, some of the things you can expect from the Ozone podcast is realistic perspective. Uh, yes, we are fans, but we're not oblivious to what's going on around the league and how the magic stack up to, to those um, expectations. So I think you'll, have, you'll find fun conversation, honest conversation, uh, and if it's happening, it'll be talked about with us. Now, that's all nice. That's all fine and dandy, but you know, let's, let's talk magic basketball. Let's, let's do, do it, it, man. Right? That's what we're here for. Yes. Season already started. You know, I've kind of felt like this offseason was a really long offseason, um, and now we, we've already played two games. What stood, out, what stood out to you guys? For me, I think uh, it's just been the team has looked good at times and great at times, really. Um, like against the Cavs, they had the, the second quarter where the defense just really locked in. They looked like the magic that we expected to see from day one. But then you have this lapses where the team just looks out of sort. They don't look like themselves. And I think that creates some doubt into what we think the magic will look like this year. Uh, but so far, I mean, I'm excited. I think the team looks good. The players are there. We know the talent that we have, the depth. Um, 
What do you think? But you don't you don't think that it's just like beginning jitters. It's just a couple of games. I know we we had the really strong showing, and then you know yesterday was was a little disappointing. But it's still just two games. Um yeah, one and one. Um like Alvaro said, the first game you know had a lot of jitters in it. Um still the beginning, a lot of positives, a lot of negatives to get out of that game. Uh, obviously we took our first loss of the season last night to the Atlanta Hawks. So um. To me, it's just, you know, bouncing back. We have our next home game coming up. Um, Some things to be excited about. I was at the home opener uh, for the Magic, and it was loud in there. It, it was. was loud. It, it, was. it felt like people were showing up. They were engaged. They wanted to see the team win. Uh, if you've been to, to Magic games before this season, you know a lot of times it felt like people were more interested on, you know, what was on their phone than what was on the court. And uh, I think that's changing. So I think the, the cultural change is happening in Orlando. So if you want to hop on the bandwagon, now's the time. <clears throat> yeah, what's, uh, what's crazy to me is that you used to mention that it was loud at the Amway. Uh, let me tell you, it was loud in my house. Like yesterday <laughs> was so exciting just because the minute that Markel hit his first three, man, I can only imagine Ooh. how it was on the bench. Like I saw the highlight and yeah. everyone on the bench was exciting. You know, coaches were clapping, and I, I was hype. I almost ran, you know, almost a mile around my house just because I was that excited. <laughs> you know, it took a little bit, right? He was uh, 0 for 3 the very first game, and then he missed um, the first the first two. Two, two or three. The first two. Yeah, I think it was first two three-pointers, and then he yeah. finally hit that last one. Um, the, the shot looked a little, to me, still looked a little little hitchy, but the fact that he had enough confidence to still go out there and shoot the basketball doesn't matter if he knows that he missed a few before. The fact that he was still able to stand there and still take those shots because they're leaving him open. Like, right. no, one, no one is guarding him. They're, they're asking for him to shoot the ball. Go out there and shoot it. That's right. And I think shoot it. what's exciting about it is if you're watching the games, you're, even live, you can see he's not hesitating. He's open. He knows it. He's just shooting it. Uh, where I think if you watch the games last year when he played for Philly, you could tell he was hesitating. He was forcing shots sometimes. He just thought about it twice. He's not doing that anymore, guys. It's just... And I think I think the biggest confidence is the coach Clifford, you know, giving him that confidence. Um, he's inserting him five, six minutes into the first quarter. Go inside, do your thing. No limitations, like Anthony said. You know, he's open on the three point shot. Go ahead, take it right away. One of the one of the things I noticed from game one to game two is our consistency on defense. I think uh, game one against the Cavs, we were doing good. There were times where we led twenty, twenty five points, and then we kind of. I don't know, went on cruise control, and then the Cavs got to come back into the game, and they made it a much closer finish than, than we would have liked. Uh, I think that's something that we saw consistently last year, which is where the Magic had a hard time closing games out, and teams you know, fought back and, and, and beat us late in games. So I think that's going to be something to look forward, uh, you know, look forward at, just to make sure that, that the Magic are picking up that slack on defense. Against the, the Hawks last night, honestly, I feel like we lost, but we should have lost by more. We didn't play well. I think our ball movement wasn't wasn't uh, that great. And Trey Young just had a fantastic yeah. game. He, he played out of his mind last night. I mean, just, just from the get, you know, he scored, uh, I want to say it was 10 points in the first five minutes. Yep. Yeah. So it's one of those things where we didn't play well. And that's there's no secret about that. Aaron Gordon had a tough game. Evan Fournier had a tough game, but we only lost by a few points. And that's it's still and, early on in the season. And that's encouraging. That's the thing. Like we shot in the thirty percent range last night. Our defense was not all there, and we managed to lose the game by four points. I mean that. If you want to think anything positive aside faults hitting a three pointer last night, it's the fact that we only lost the game by four points against a solid Hawks team. They're no longer the the you know lottery bound team. 
they have potential. Um, so I think that for me was encouraging. Yeah, we lost. It sucked. I went to bed upset. But it was a four-point game. And again, it took that miracle shot by Trey Young to beat us um, with faults all over him. So, yeah. And, and just to think about it, like, us losing last night, you know, it's not, there's no need to hit the panic button. It's not nah. red alert. If anything, this is kind of just giving ammunition to the media outlets of of their predictions of us missing the playoffs. You know, that's not that's not the case. Like we, it's still a, a, a very good team that you know we we lost a tough game away, but at the same time we're we're all right. It's not every day that we're gonna have you know um, the Aaron Gordons, Evan Fournier said they're they're just not offensively not there. But give us time, and you know we're we're gonna see that through. Um, biggest thing for me though is is just the amount of disrespect that there's been out in in the social media. Um, just a couple of days ago, Tony Allen was on a podcast, and he had some some real to me. What I found was disrespectful remarks. Um, he had he had mentioned that um, he was shit. <laughs> he had brought up uh, the podcast. What was his name? Chris Vernon. Chris Vernon. Yes. Chris Vernon had asked uh, Tony Allen, you know, how how he feels like he would be matched up against an Evan Fournier and a Terrence Ross. Yeah, and to hear him say that he would not, you know, he would go to bed late that night, he would go party, and he would not give any thought to that matchup. He said something like, make a reservation for seven. Make, make a reservation yeah, for seven. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, there's, no, there's no need for that. I mean, I get it, he was an all-NBA all defensive player, we understand all that, um, but he kind of took it personal. I'm not shocked at all. We're talking about Tony Allen, guys. A uh, very cocky guy, very prideful, but he does have the resume, you know. He takes on the best scores of each team. And for him, you know, to say that to, you know, talking about our guards, Terrence Ross, Evan Fournier, um, I'm not shocked at all. I'm not shocked. I think um, his comments weren't well received by, by uh, Magic Twitter, for sure. Uh, but I think... It's 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 really irrelevant. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that he got to lock up Terrence Ross and Fournier in her, their earlier years. Terrence Ross and Evan Fournier are uh, much better scorers now than they were then. And, you know, it's an argument that we can have. It's like the MJ-LeBron argument. It doesn't matter because they'll never play against each other again. And I think if if anything, I think the guys are going to use that as motivation. They're going to use that, that conversation. They're going to use guys sleeping on them, you know, uh, on national media as motivation to, to outperform their expectations. I mean, you're, you're right. It is irrelevant. But to me, ever since the, the post-Dwight Howard era, right, all I ever wanted was just for the magic to be respected again, right? right. And it's the fact that we're now getting to the point that and you, you got to respect the magic. You know, we, we made it to the playoffs last season when everyone counted us out. Uh, we did win a game away, right? We didn't, we didn't get past the first round, but we did lose to the NBA champions. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's right. So it's kind of like I've always wanted that if teams come to Orlando, they're not going to go out and party. They're not going to have that reservation of seven people on the table. They they need to make sure that they go home, get good rest, because they know that they have some big, tall, long guys that they're going to have to go against and then battle out with. And I feel like we're now getting to that point. So that's why I feel the the comments were disrespectful because he only knows he only played against the Magic, you know, most recently in the post White era where we weren't anything to to you could reserve the seven people table. But now and I you think I think what he's talking about. I think he's talking about the, the the Magic of old. Now the new Magic, the you know the Coach Clifford led Magic. That again, you you can't take easy. I mean, look again back to last last night against the Hawks. Yeah, we lost that game. Yeah, again, four point game. We're shooting horrible the ball. Defense wasn't there. We barely lost that game. 
take it to last year. We lost games against the Warriors and things like that, but we were up, you know, 19, 20 points yes. in those games. Yes. So I think, yeah, I don't think you can no longer take the Magic for granted and say, hey, we play the Magic tomorrow, let's go out, party it up. You can't do that, but it won't be a fun game for you the next but time. But I have a question for you guys. So <clears throat> we did shoot terribly last night, uh, but we got to the free throw line a lot, more so than we have, you know, in any game, I want to say in the last handful of seasons. So what do you... How do you think that that's going to impact us moving forward? You know, with our length, I think, um, and athleticism, it's easier to get in the paint and, and, and force those fouls. Um, obviously, when you hit, like, 25 free throws, it's going to keep you in those games where you're not scoring well. I believe last year, that was one thing we lacked, was getting to the free throw line. Um, like I said, to bounce back on Markel Fultz, he is a, a point guard in our team that we haven't seen in a very long time. I would maybe say prime Jimmy Nelson. Um, this is a guy who's coming in. He has a lot of length, has a lot of strength to him. Talking about a 6'4", 6'5", frame, penetrating very fast, very explosive. Um, we're going to get to the free throw line. You know, he's going to, he's gone to the free throw line, I think, a decent amount of times. He's, he's been hitting those free throw shots. Yes, he he's has. been hitting them. He has. I don't see and he no likes hesitation. To, <clears throat> he likes to get people involved in the paint. So a lot, of, a lot of times, at least what I've seen, you know, from the preseason and now, He'll drive into the paint, and in the paint, while taking contact, he'll pass out to someone, uh, trailing him or, or something like that. And it makes it fun. It, it gets the rest of his teammates, you know, engaged and involved. Um, and when you have guys who can run the floor at a high pace like Aaron Gordon and Terrence Ross, when, you know, when, when, when Fultz is leading the pack and they're trailing him and defense is collapsing on, on Fultz and he kicks out, that's that's the perfect scenario to get T. Ross involved. And I think last season, if there was one thing that I can also contribute on what I think was missing, is having that one elite person that can drive the ball to the basket. I mean, you, you really think about, you know, you can put Evan Fournier in that category, but, you know, this this guy's taking it down the middle and slamming it down. Yeah. You know, you have to, you may not yeah. respect his shot, but you have to respect his penetration. Right. So that immediately is going to allow for the floor to open up for yeah. the Evan Fournier's, Aaron Gordon's, and Terrence Ross's. That's right. I mean, and Fultz's not afraid. He'll, he'll go, he'll dribble it up, he'll cross you up, and he'll take it to the basket, like you mentioned, uh, Justin. He will maybe not finish that shot, but he'll give you a back behind-the-back pass. He'll give you a random pass, what he's expecting, and that will either lead to a foul or an easy basket. Uh, what the teammates have to do, the, the Magic teammates have to do, is be ready for those passes. I yes, think we've seen a lot of those ready. passes, you know, either turn, lead to turnovers uh, or mishandle the ball. They gotta be right. They they now know that he's gonna be giving the ball so, in the right it's situation. It's a different taste for sure. I can say. You know, I've I've noticed early too that I I love DJ. I think DJ did a phenomenal job for us last year, and I think you can't uh, you know you can't devalue him as a player. But I think his his role on the team is gonna is gonna diminish a little bit when Fultz is handling the ball. It seems like <clears throat> everything flows consistently. You know, he can he can shoot in transition, he can pass in transition, he could do all of those things, where a lot of times DJ would run into the paint, kind of circle back around, give people time to kind of set themselves, and then would kick out for a pass. And that works, you know, but in, in, in certain situations when you're dealing against teams that, you know, have really good defense, they lock those guys down. And even if you come in and, and, and run back out, you're not going to find an open player. So I think Markel benefits the rest of the guys on the floor uh, you know, while he's running down the court, making those passes or taking that shot in transition, that step back he likes to do in the paint. There's just more of a versatility to Markel's game than there is to DJ's. And I and I really wish that people were able to see, you know, how we see the magic, 
How right. do you see how impactful Markel Fultz is impacting this team more so than you know missing that presence last season? So, for example, on the first the first game of the NBA season, um, you know on the TNT, you had uh, Kenny the Jet Smith that you know he his predictions was that the Magic weren't not going to make the playoffs. Charles Barkley too. Charles Barkley also. He had the Miami <laughs> Heat making it in the four, five, six range. And the magic just completely missing out, which I find confusing right. because it's kind of like, you know, if you if you really think about it, this is the first time that you know we've had a legitimate coach come back for a second season. So just off of continuity by itself, you know, this team is improving. Now you're right. adding a legitimate point guard that now as magic fans we can honestly say that can really carry this team. Yeah, he may not have, you know, the the shooting from behind the three point line, but he is so much more than just you know, his hitch and his shot. He can take the ball to the basket. He can really run the team. His his eyes for passing is insane. Yesterday, he had a crazy pass to Jonathan Isaac that I completely missed. I don't know how Jonathan Isaac saw it, but it was a, an amazing pass, an efficient pass down the lane, and then we were able to get an easy bucket. Yeah, I mean, to, to follow up on your point, I think, uh, what's this analyst, again, thinking the Magic will miss the playoffs, the one that hurt me the most, at least, Dennis Scott, saying that the Magic will not, miss, will not make the playoffs this year. What do you guys think about that? I think uh, Dennis Scott actually ended up reversing on that. He, I think, he, he was on a, yeah, he was on a season preview for the Magic, and uh, he said he was going to take it back. He was on there with Stan Van Gundy. Oh, he had to. Yeah, there was some pressure on him, um, you know. But but we want you, we want you to keep that same energy. If you feel like the Magic aren't going to make the playoffs when the season starts, keep that same energy. They'll benefit from that. The doubters and all of those things, that, that is what's going to fuel them. If it was easy, if everybody said, oh, the Magic are definitely are a shoe-in for, for the playoffs, it kills that, that motivation. Yeah. And I think these guys uh, are, are going to definitely benefit from that. Definitely the last season, I think all the odds were against us. Um, we had a lot of that last season with all these analysts. You know, they don't know too much about the Magic. We're a very young team, you know, on the rise. A lot of players that nobody nobody really knows about and um you know Kenny Smith um he specifically said the Magic are in trouble and that uh you know Miami's gonna take our spot pretty much in the playoffs um what do you guys think about that you know I mean I'm not I'm not a fan of Miami and I'm not just being biased just not a fan of the team I'm not a fan of Jimmy Butler as a player um yeah he's a hard worker but I just think that every place that he goes to it it's it, it hurts the chemistry of that specific team you know, as much as I love the the Magic Heat rivalry, for you to sit there and say that Miami Heat are in and we're not going to make it at all, I just find find confusing. The, yes. the biggest thing that could have happened for any team in the East is two things. LeBron leaving and Kawhi leaving. That's right? Right. The That's East right. is completely open. It is. I mean, it is. The, the ceiling, I personally feel the ceiling for the Magic is, is in the, the third seat, but... I mean, for... for just to count us out after a playoff appearance, yeah, no? It doesn't make any sense. And for me, sense. I just don't see, I don't know about you guys, but I don't see another eight teams in the East that I can say the Magic cannot be or have a better record this season then. It just doesn't make any sense. But in order for us to have that type of respect from outside man, and granted, whatever they say doesn't matter. True. It's a fact of getting respect back for the city of Orlando, the Orlando Magic. Yes. But in order for us to do that, we can't lose to a team like the Atlanta Hawks. That's it just can't, it just That's can't. So I think one of the biggest like emphasis points that Clifford should be, you know, drilling into these guys' heads is 
you have to win the games that you're supposed to win. Right. That's, yes. that's really what it comes down to. That's right. If you, <clears throat> you know, you may get a you may get a big win against L.A. Clippers, Lakers, whatever it is, but those games against the Cavs, Atlanta, Memphis, those are games that you have to win, and for you to to be taken seriously by the national media, you have to take advantage of of, of when those teams are on your schedule. And I'm just really hoping those days are behind. Last season was painful to see this team come out of the All-Star break. And we're all thinking they're going to win, you know, 10, 15 games <laughs> here out of the next 20 they had. And they will lose to this mediocre team at the time. Right. But, yeah, we'll go ahead and beat the Warriors and beat the Raptors. So I think those days are behind um, for this team. Unfortunately, last night's showing does not show that. But it's too early in the season to get to hunk over that. But the mindset has to be, okay, so we lost against the Hawks, all right? It happened. But... You have the Bucks coming up. You have the Nuggets coming up, right? So it has to be one of those things. Well, okay, we lost to the Hawks. Let's make it up. But let's make it up. Yeah. When we play against the Bucks, the Bucks has to be no question. Has to be where we got to make sure that we're prepared. Everyone's focused, and it has to be one of those things that we go into the game, we're efficient, we got to play, and we have to. I'll make it sooner than that. I'll say Monday's game. Tomorrow's game to me, you just you just got to set the tone. You know, we we right? we, yes. we just we dropped the ball. We we had a horrible game against the Hawks. You gotta win tomorrow in Toronto and set that tone. Hey, you're the champion. You are predicting me the playoffs. We'll beat you. You beat us last year in the playoffs. Perfect time to bounce back from that. Um, and of course, the Knicks on Wednesday. You definitely gotta win that game at home. So that's how you start building momentum. Bad loss, let's bounce back. Yes, uh, definitely. This week is gonna be, I say, our first challenge of the season. We got four upcoming games. Three of them, which are playoff teams that represented the West and the East last year. Um, and then we got a New York game on Wednesday as well, which as Magic fans, we all expect to hopefully win if things go as well. But just to bounce back to that, tomorrow we do got Toronto. Um, what do you guys think about going into Toronto? I think, again, like I said a few minutes ago, a most, not a most win, certainly the season, but to me it is. We got to bounce back. We got to show that we can be better than what we've shown against the Cavs and the Hawks. Um, and what better way to do it than to, by beating the team that we lost in the playoffs last year? And Toronto's not looking bad at all this this season nah, so far. They're good. They lost Kawhi, and uh, they're still pretty looking good. So I think we have our work cut out for us. Tomorrow. Yeah, I think uh, Toronto is is a little bit of a blueprint of what we should look to be. They're getting you know big minutes from their young guys. They're getting uh, you know big points from their young guys. Van Vliet, Siakam. I think they're they're looking really good. Uh, and you know you got the the veteran presence of Kyle Lowry who. You know, kind of, kind of torched us. He's not a, he's <laughs> not a favorite down here in Atlanta. Not a fan of us. Not a fan of us. I'm actually really, I'm really looking forward to the matchup with Siakam and Jonathan Isaac. I feel yeah. like Jonathan Isaac is the type of player that he needs to have like That's that his, that matchup yeah. to really, yeah. to really motivate contribute him. and motivate him the way right. that we know that he can be. He needs to be taken personal. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Um, now, as you know that we, we made some roster changes that opened up a free um, and available roster spot that we have to fill before, I want to say the deadline's in a week or so. It's about a week and a half, yeah. Yeah, so, um, I mean, based on the free agents that are out there, I mean, is there anyone in your mind that you feel would be a good fit with this team? To me, um, I'm pretty sure this guy is, you know, he's, he's around social media here and there, you know, I'm pretty sure he's enjoying his time, you know, at home. Definitely, I'm a big fan of Jamal Crawford, um. Definitely Enjoy a guy. His time at home. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, uh, definitely. I'm sure, I'm sure he is. Definitely a guy who should be on an NBA roster, I say. Um, yeah. I'm not sure what's the deal why he's not on <laughs> an NBA roster. But, uh, hey, come to Orlando. He did have an opportunity, I'd say, a few years ago to play with um, Golden State Warriors. As we know, he decided to choose um, Minnesota Timberwolves. And that was because, you know, he prefers to go with the grind, you know, grind into the playoffs, possibly make it to an NBA championship team. 
I say Orlando Magic is a perfect fit. We're a young team that still needs a vet, another veteran away, you know, who's been through the, the, the good and through the bad as well. Um, to me, he's a professional scorer, you know. I, I agree with you. I think Jamal Crawford is definitely somebody we should look at. Uh, <clears throat> I think he's going to help uh, Markel Fultz a lot. I think uh, his veteran presence, his shooting, uh, his handles, that those are all things that Markel can pick up from. And being surrounded by two veteran guys who are hard workers, uh, are committed, dedicated to the franchise that they're playing for and DJ Augustine and, and Crawford uh, is something that I think Markel is missing. Um, you know, being away from the game for so long, you need kind of that motivation. You need to look at guys who have done it for a long time and what their regimen is, how they eat, how they treat their bodies, what their discipline and commitment level is. And I think Markel being around guys that are serious about the game is only going to make him uh, you know, that much more of a threat. And I think Jamal fits what we need. For me, so I like both of those things. I would, or Jamal Crawford I think will be a good fit. But for me, I think a player that I see fitting in Orlando for multiple reasons is Joe Johnson. He was recently cut by the, uh, by the Detroit Pistons. Um, I just think he's a guy who has been in the playoffs can score, can shoot. Um, it's a good locker room person. I just think his presence in the team would be huge, would lift the team to another level. Um, he can help still the young guys, you know, the defaults, the, the Isaac uh, on the roster. Uh, so Joe Johnson is a name to me that's interesting. I don't know why it didn't work out with the Detroit Pistons. Uh, yeah, that's he, a shocker for me. That's a shocker. I mean, and he killed it in the, in the, the big three. I know it's very different to play the big three in the NBA, but he was, I mean, at another level playing that league. So, I would think he would be a good fit in Orlando. I would throw that name out there. I'm going to play devil's advocate. <laughs> Those are all nice names, but, you know, someone, I, and I know that this is not going to happen, not even close, but I'm just going to throw it out there. J.R. Smith. What? <laughs> J.R. Smith. This is why. <laughs> the very first thing, because if you don't fit this criteria, then you can't enter the team, right? J.R. Smith is a six foot six point, uh, shooting guard, right? With a 6'10 wingspan. So oh. wingspan by itself, right? He there has the credentials. All right. Um, with that being said, we just need a shot creator. You know, we need someone that can uh, be able to, to create his own shot, can penetrate. Um, I know that typically the Magic do go for uh, good character first players, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but at the same time, uh, one of my favorite players is, is that played for the Magic previously is Matt Barnes, and, Matt, and it was just because he was he was a headache for everyone else. Like you need someone that has like that type of personality that you're not going to mess with this team. If you're going to mess with this team, come see me. Right? He has that kind of grit to him that I like. Now, he has a lot of flaws to it. Now, I'm not sure if that's something that you want to add to such a good chemistry. But just being that devil's advocate, I wouldn't mind seeing J.R. Smith in Orlando. I do agree. I think we need, like, an attitude piece. I think we need a dog. All of the, yeah, all of the guys do. on our team are pretty friendly, nice guys, mild-mannered guys. Don't, you know, don't really uh, instill that fear in other players. So I, I agree. I can see J.R. Smith being, being on this team. I, same thing. I think we do need that dog, that that person that comes in and just gives a hard foul. Just, again, gives some identity to this team. J.R. Smith, will he feel the bill? For me, I'm not sure. But we need someone like him with that mentality of, hey, coming into the games and just saying, we're here. got to respect us. Back to respect again. we got to respect the magic. The think. one thing that worries me about J.R., if we added him, is his inconsistency. Yes. Because this is a guy that could drop 50 or he could drop zero, go 0 for 10. I agree. Disappear. Yeah, and that's, that's something that, that could end up hurting us because we already struggle with that inconsistency. 
But I think you can afford that because we're not saying plug him into the starting lineup. I'm not even saying plug him into the second lineup. Oh, no, of right? course not. Yeah. That's you, right. I, want, I want this guy to be behind Terrence Ross. Correct. They, they put him behind MTW just to have just in case, right? That's because right. he is a player, whether, no matter how you feel about him, he's a player that does have experience. He is an NBA champion. How many championship players do we have on our team? None. Good answer. <laughs> so, so it's one of those things where I, I do feel like it, it could be an added piece even if he has because it, 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 he has an opportunity to be able to, to relive not relive but re-spark his career right yeah. so you sit him down you have that conversation with him and if it's something that feels right then okay and again I, I feel like there's a 1% chance of this happening but it's something that I don't mind if it did happen and I'll be honest, I think we're all bringing up these names here, but knowing our front office, it will probably be some random name. We have no idea who it is. Long list. It's playing in Europe right now somewhere. It's true. That, um, I mean, that's what happened with Ken Birch. Ken Birch, Briscoe, yeah. same thing. Um, I agree. So I think we'll see what happens. I just hope it's someone who can score, number one, and create for others. I know we have faults developing and getting there, but we need someone who can just step in when, we, when needed, kind of like that Ken Birch role. Just plug him in when needed, he can perform. Um, so hopefully that will happen. I would hope that it's at least a guard, you know. I think we're pretty stacked at the four positions in the, <laughs> the, in the backcourt as well. Um, as long as he's a shooter, I'm okay with it. Just shoot the three ball. That's right. So we have this segment that I'm actually really excited about called Pass or Shoot. So it's pretty simple, right? You're either going to pass on the idea as something that you don't believe in, or you're going to shoot as in something you do believe in. So just recently, Josh Robbins from The Athletic came out with his with an article, 10 Magic Bolt Predictions. And one of the first ones that he came out with, or one of the ones that he came out with, um, was that the Magic will go 44 and 38 and finish 6th in the East. Are you passing or shooting? Uh, I'm, I'm passing. The reason is because <clears throat> I've been on other podcasts and I've talked about my prediction for the Magic. Uh, initially, I started at about 50, 52 wins as the ceiling for this team. I think uh, 44 wins is a worst-case scenario. I think uh, Orlando has gotten better. I think their trust you know, between each other is better. Their ball movement has improved, although there's times that it looks like it regressed. Uh, we have more scorers on our team. I just don't see, with the East being as wide open as it is, I don't see us finishing sixth. I don't see six teams being better than us. I think... Realistically, Milwaukee and, and, and Philly are, you know, maybe one and two, maybe three. And then uh, Boston. I think those are the, the three teams that I can say right now are better than us. I don't I don't see how six teams would finish ahead of us. No, no, I definitely agree with you. Um, I'm definitely going to pass as well. My prediction is pretty close, guys. Um, I'm going to go with 46 and 36. I project us to maybe fall into that more of the four and five range. Um, I think the reason why I'm going with 46 and 36, and I think it's the most obvious, is uh, the consistency with our roster. We brought back almost everybody. We only have two new additions with Aminu, which is going to bring a great veteran presence off the bench. And then obviously Markel Fultz bringing a different taste to that point guard position that we haven't had in a long time. Um, right now the NBA, we sit at number two on defense. Last two games, we just averaging 94 points, giving up to our opponents. That's definitely going to be our, our uh, grit and grind right there for us is our defense. We have a lot of length. Um, John Weltman brought his concept from Milwaukee Bucks, you know, bringing a lot of that length to us. And that's going to be our fallback, I believe, throughout the season, you know. Our length is going to be a lot of trouble to these 
to these teams, and uh, we're going to be a force to be reckoned with. 46 and 36 is going to be my prediction. So for me, I'm actually going to shoot, man. I, I know I'm, I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot. I'm going to take those free throws and make them. Uh, <laughs> I think that I don't know if I, if I agree with the record necessarily, but I do agree with the seeding. Uh, while I think the Magic will f- hopefully finish ahead of that and be third or fourth or fifth in the East, things like last night worry me. You know, losing to teams that we shouldn't be losing to. I just don't know if it's just in the DNA of this team. Unfortunately, we saw it too many times last year where we just lost to bad teams. And again, preseason showed us again inconsistency. We're seeing it already this season. I don't know how long it will take for this team to kind of click. Uh, and yeah, we had only two players, Amino and, and Faults, really, being added. And Mamba as well. He barely played in the second half of last year. Those players need season. They need some time to get used to the team, get used to, to, to what we're trying to do. Um, and my worry is it might be too late in the year. It might be, you know, closer to the trade deadline in January. And by then, our record may not be what it needs to be. You mean when um, we figure it out? Correct. When they figure it out. Correct. Okay. So I think that's what leads me to believe we might be in that fifth, sixth range uh, in the East. So that I agree with, with Josh. Record-wise, I can see us winning 45, 46 games, like Mark said. Um, so I, that's just my thoughts on that. I mean, I'm going to pass, um, but I don't disagree. I think the sixth in the East is a realistic option. I mean, we were eighth last season. Before that, we weren't even talking playoffs. Mm-hmm. We were talking the NBA draft. Mm-hmm. You know, so us putting us at the sixth seed is something that I can't see happening. Oh, we were seventh last year. Last or excuse me, seventh. Yeah. seventh. You're right, you're right. I apologize. We were seventh last season. So it's it's an upgrade, right? It's it's improvement. Yes. You know, this team, if there's one thing that we haven't done well, is improve. That's and right. I feel like for the first time, we have that consistency of being able to improve from the following. Well, I think... Last season, we finished tied for seventh with mm-hmm. Brooklyn mm-hmm. at 42 and 40, if I'm not wrong. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that the, the teams that are going to be ahead of us are going to win that many more games. You know what I mean? So if we, if we got into that 6-7-C with 42 wins this year, to think that we're going to need four more wins to finish in the same seating when the East hasn't gotten better is a little a little bit weird of a, of a pr- prediction for me. I'm just also leaving some, <clears throat> leaving some room there for injuries. we we got to be realistic as well. Last year, we players on our team barely missed any games with injuries. I think that this year, unfortunately, we might see some. It's just the NBA, right? It happens. Right. Um, so I think that's where some losses may come as well. You lose to Terrence Ross all of a sudden. Where's your offense coming from? Off the bench. Yeah, faults. It's getting there. But, but that might give an, an option. That might give an opportunity to one dude to come in who can also score and create. I think that's that's the difference between this season and last season. Last season, you had a lot of weak points. You had a lot of weak points that you know really hurt the team when they were in the game. The the Jerrion Grants, right? Oof. So it's one of those things where this team is so deep that you know Coach Clifford is is really tying into his ten man rotation. But he really has a solid twelve guys that can really be put in the game. Once you want to do Kim Birch, that can really impact the game. Right. And I feel like the sixth. In the East, doesn't impact how strong or how um, strong our our bench is. So we have a very very deep team. That is true. That, that is that is one thing that our team did really well this year. It's building that depth that we really never really had in the last few years. Uh, so I think that that will be a plus for us. So again, I think whether you finish, I mean, in my opinion, that that four to six range is realistic. Just a lot of factors come to the play. You know, you look at look at health. You got to look at faults and he develops. Bamba, which we'll talk about a little later, how will he develop into the role that he's playing? Because right now, let me tell you, and we won't go too deep into that, but I feel like Birch will be a much better fit right now off the bench than Bamba. But again, that's for a later topic. I know we'll get there in a few yeah, minutes. Sure. 
But um, again, whether it's fourth to six, I think that's a realistic range. Best case scenario, I think I see us looking third, fourth. Worst case scenario, I don't see us falling any further down in sixth. He also, uh, <clears throat> kind of moving, you know, spinning it forward a little bit, he also mentioned uh, Jonathan Isaac as possibly being Orlando's most, most improved player. What do you guys think about that? So for me, uh, that's a good point. I would say I'm 80% there agreeing with him. So I'm going to say I, I shoot with that idea. But then again, Isaac's offense just hasn't been there. I know it's very early in the season, but I'm, I'm a little concerned now. Is Isaac going to be a defensive anchor and that's it? Or will he turn into that player that we hope he becomes, a 15-point-per-game scorer, that player that can hit the open shots? Hasn't been there through preseason the first two games just yet. Um, some a little concerned. So I'm agreeing with him based on potential only. But I'm a little concerned. I mean, I'm, pa- I'm passing on it. I, I think there's other players on the roster that – you know, can can be kind of be put in that category. I mean, if Aaron Gordon becomes an all-star, would you put him in that category? I would. Made a, made a leap, right? If Markel Fultz averages 13, 14 points a game, do you put him in that category? For sure. Definitely up there. Yeah. For sure. So you have other players that, you know, I, I can see taking that leap faster than Jonathan Isaac. You know, Jonathan Isaac last season was his really full, first full season where That's he true. was healthy. That's he true. added weight. He was more of an impact to the team. He started every game that he played, if I'm not mistaken. So it's one of those things where I can't see happening. I just see a player like Markel Fultz. And it could just be because I'm biased and I'm ruining the hell for this game. You know? <laughs> it could just be that. But I can see Markel Fultz getting the nod for most improved over Jonathan Isaac. So I'm passing on that. Um, To me... I'm shooting with Isaac. Um, a lot of people don't see what I see. Uh, there's so much potential with this guy. We're talking about a seven footer, or six eleven in his eyes. He doesn't like to be a call a seven footer, but uh, in our eyes, he's definitely a seven footer. Why doesn't he like being called a seven footer? I think actually in the the real measurements, he measured at six eleven. If I'm not wrong. Uh, right. Uh, NBA so wants accuracy this season. Right, right. So he is <laughs> yeah. He is one inch shy or three quarters of an inch shy of being a seven he's footer. He's six eleven, but somehow he's still taller than than Mooch. Yeah. yeah. I, I've analyzed these five pictures. I've investigated the crap out of him and I still see that he's taller. He's at least seven seven one. And that's not even looking <laughs> close either. No, no not even right. close. Then again, how many pictures have we seen of them barefoot? So that's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. Uh, for me, on the whole Isaac front, I'm going to pass. I think uh, the guy who's who's going to show out for us this year and the guy who's going to be the most improved is going to be Evan Fournier. Uh, anybody who knows me knows that I've been I've been an Evan fan for for a while now. Uh, he is actually my favorite player on the team, uh, but I think Evan has a a wonderful shot. He's a great three point shooter. Uh, as you saw last night against the Hawks, he could definitely. You know, use his handle to get in the paint a little bit, um, lay up. He can dunk. Uh, you know, he can kind of do it all. I think it's more of a confidence issue with him. Uh, and when he played in the FIBA tournament, we all saw he was an animal. Uh, he was super decisive. He knew what he wanted to do uh, when he got the ball. And he wasn't afraid to shoot. I think when he comes to Orlando, he looks to defer a lot. And uh, this season, we're going to need him to be FIBA Fournier 
uh, if we're if we're gonna succeed. So that's that's, that's gonna my, be the new nickname. That's the new nickname. FIBA Forty. He plays well. He plays well. So on on a couple of tweets, you you had talked about um, the possibility of Aaron Gordon getting traded, mm-hmm. right? If he doesn't meet his his expectations, right? Right. So pass or shoot. If he doesn't meet his expectations, do you see him being moved by All Star break? I'm gonna shoot on that. I think uh, I'm gonna Ooh. shoot on that because I think Aaron Ooh. Gordon, which yeah, it may be a hot take, but I, I think <laughs> um, Aaron Gordon is holding some value across the league. As much as I hate talking about it because he's so much more than just dunking, uh, that dunk contest with Zach Levine a couple years ago. You know, got people talking about and and uh, having people familiarizing themselves with Aaron Gordon, uh, and I, I think if if he disappears the rest, you know, up to up to All Star break, the way that he has, you know, three games in the preseason and the first two games of the regular season, I think Orlando may move him. We would you be okay with him being moved? I would for the right piece. So you would be okay with Aaron Gordon being moved while he enters the slam dunk contest champion. And he becomes a slam dunk contest champion this season in another Oof. jersey. Man, oh man. I think I think if I'm putting on my GM hat, it's so much more than All a dunk right. contest. I agree. So I'll uh, tell you, a dunk contest is going to get us a couple likes on social media. True. And the jump might talk about us, but it's not going to bring chips to Orlando. I agree. And um, as, as much as it'll pain me to see him go, because I do feel like he's kind of developed an identity here. And, and people are familiar with Aaron Gordon. Most of the Magic jerseys you see are Aaron Gordon jerseys. Yep, yep. Yes. So, so yes, it may be painful at first, but I think if we can get a scoring wing for, for Aaron Gordon, that'll be the ideal trade. We're playing him right now at the three spot. That's not where he's naturally positioned. And it's you could see it in his game. He's not comfortable uh, playing at that position. And I think there's going to come a point down the road, whether it's this season or the next, where we're going to have to choose Jonathan Isaac or Aaron Gordon, and I think the front office is going with the guy that they drafted, which is J.I. So for me, I'm going to shoot. I'm actually going to agree here with Josh Robinson saying that um, he will not be traded. We're going to hear rumors. It's going to happen. We, we know it happens every year with Aaron Gordon, but it's not going to happen this year. I think that if it does happen, it will happen in the offseason. I just think that there's too much invested in the, the makeup of this team, the, the, how it was built, the, the grittiness, the defense, and he's key to that. So I don't see how they're going to give up on that this season. Now, we missed the playoffs. Um, we don't look that we're supposed to. He's averaging, you know, 12 points a game. Again, something something that is not meeting expectations. I think in the summer, we'll look at some options for him. Again, we are a young team. Shuma Okiki's coming in next year as a, as a brand new rookie. We have a draft pick in the summer, which I honestly think we're going to probably end up trading. We have way too much youth in this team. But to add up uh, Gordon being traded this season, I just don't see it happening. So you mentioned... Uh, you know how he's kind of the face of the organization in a way. He's moving in that in that direction. On a defensive end, I think he's, the, a, he's, a, he's an anchor right now, I would think. Right, but he's also not the guy that John and Jeff drafted. Um, he's, not, he's not someone that they're emotionally tied to. They kind of inherited the team with him here. And he's kind of the last piece um, from that Rob, you know, Rob Hennigan kind of era. So... You know, it's a it's a little it's a little tricky to think what's gonna happen, but I think if there was ever a front office who would be okay with dealing Aaron Gordon, it would be these guys. Yeah, I'm gonna shoot. I'm thinking more post career. If you really think about other teams, let's say Miami in general, what's one thing that they can do that we can't? And that's as a free agent when you're going 
to meet the execs, right? And you're thinking about playing for their city. They have the Alonzo Mornings, the Tim Hardaways, the Pat Rileys to have that conversation and convince them to come play for their city. Who do we have? All we have is Bo Outlaw and Nick Anderson. That's it. As much as I love those guys, they're not convincing free agents to come to Orlando. It's just not happening. Right. One of the things I agree with that the Magic did was bring on Trace McGrady. Put him on your payroll. So yes. now you can add him to those conversations, right? He's really plugged into the media, right? He's on the jump. He's talking positive about the Orlando Magic. He's saying, my team, right? And I think that that's really important for a franchise, right? Just imagine how powerful it would be if we had a good relationship with the Shaquille O'Neal's, with the Penny Hardaway's. Now you bring a free agent to come talk to you, you're going to have Shaquille O'Neal, Penny Hardaway in those conversations. Yeah. They can talk to the city. They can talk about the franchise. And I feel we need to have those players, and we, we have to start making the right decisions now. So you're thinking that long-term Aaron Gordon could be the face of the franchise, one of those guys, so you wouldn't trade him, right? I'm thinking that we haven't seen Aaron Gordon ceiling. So you, you hold on to him. He's, he's going to figure it out. I have confidence that he's going to figure it out. And then long-term-wise, he's going to have a lot of benefits that we can utilize. He's going to be able to talk to those younger players. Because now, let's say the next generation, after, let's say Aaron Gordon stays with us, he retires, the players coming in, they're not going to know who Tracy McGrady is like that. The same way that kids now think that Michael Jordan is just shoes and yeah. nothing more. That's right. And not, not only that, too, but I think his contract. I mean, you're not paying Aaron Gordon, you know, a significant amount of money. You're like, oh, my God, this guy is costing us this much money. And he's not producing. Got him on a great contract. He's making, what, $20 million a year? I mean, that's not for nothing. But for a 23, 24-year-old guy with such a high ceiling, I don't mind that. Like I said, if it is at the three or the four, I feel like he'll figure it out. I feel like he'll get there. Um, I just think we need to adjust what we expect of Gordon. I don't think we need to be expecting him to be a 25-point-per-game scorer. He is who he is. He's a defensive player. He's, again, somebody said it recently, he needs to be the Draymond Green of our team. And I think his mindset needs to shift to that. See, but even with Draymond Green, for example, his Draymond's calling card is consistency at every level. Draymond is going to give you 110% on defense every day, every game, all game long. He's not going to take plays off. And he's a guy you could count on for offense. I mean, this last season, he struggled a little bit offensively. But when you look at his entire career up to that point, he was like the perfect image of consistency. So I don't, I don't think Aaron is, Aaron is on that same level. And I don't want to sit here talking like I'm an Aaron Gordon hater because I'm not. I just feel like if you're, if you're looking at it from a GM's perspective, you have, to, you have to analyze risk and value, right? And if you hold on to this guy too long and he has a season where he's averaging 10, 12 points a game, Right, what happens to him when when other GMs look at him across the league? Now you're banking on this guy who is regressing, and you can't trade him for any valuable piece, so you just let him walk. I don't know. I I think you have to, and it, it's a tough position to be in, but you do have to kind of manage those risks. Uh, but I think what ends up happening is, let's say that you do move Aaron Gordon, what do you trade him for? Right, most likely you're going to trade him for a a really good offensive shooter. Right. Mm -hmm. So some of that, because we've had this conversation, I thought, you know, a, a good player that you can plug in if they're willing. Right. is a player like Bradley Beal. Right. You bring in a player like Bradley Beal and then now you're creating a log jam in the two guard. Right. Correct. Yeah, you can push them to the two and three. Mm -hmm. But now you're really hoping that, OK, Chuma Okiki pans out and becomes at least someone that, you know, has enough potential to be able to play 
Aaron Gordon type minutes. Unless you're considering Amino as that guy that can are fill you, that gap. Are you really going to start Amino as, as your four? Granted, I mean, they did in Portland, but do you feel confident enough to where he can play your four? I think he was the starting four in a championship contending team. I think Aminu is deserving of that spot. And I know this is not the popular opinion, and again, I'm going to sound like an Aaron Gordon hater, but Aminu is going to give you consistency on both ends of the floor at a higher rate than Aaron Gordon will, in my opinion. Did Aminu struggle in Portland, and there were games where his offense was dry? Yes. But, I don't know. I think think he's a better scoring option than AG at this point. I do have a question for that. Aminu was on a a potentially championship squad. He wasn't asked to do much. He had Damian Lillard on his side. He had CJ McCollum on his side. Let's say Magic decided to input him at the four. With him probably being asked to do more, would he flourish in that role to do more? No, I I think that he's a player that he knows what his role is. Right. He's going to be really good at what his role is. Right. He's going to be an energy guy. He's going to play defense. He's going <laughs> to grab the rebounds. He's going to he's going to seek out his opportunities to score, but you're not you're not asking him to do what Aaron Gordon does. And I think that's going to be the that's the hard part for me of letting Aaron Gordon go. Absolutely. Because I know what he can do. I know what his potential is. Now, if we're talking four seasons from now, we know what we have in Aaron Gordon. There's no more ceiling. We're kind of stuck and we're not moving anywhere. Then I understand from that standpoint. But at that we're still point, trying, still trying to figure. At that point, now we're everyone knows. All the time. Everyone knows what he, he is at that point. Right now, he's a wild card. Right. And the benefit of having a wild card is that you could sell it for high amount because no one knows what's going to happen with it. You don't know. But, but you're risking it at the same time because that wild card could pan out to be a monster. And that's the thing. If if Gordon was, you know, 28 years old, we know who he is. There's, there's, that's it. Like, he's playing at this level and that's all he's going to be. We get it. But he's 24 years old. Not even close to being his prime yet. We're about three right. years away from that. So... The potential we see it, we see the flashes, right? We see the flashes where he scores 40 points, 45 points. We see it happening where he can show this potential of being a great player on the offensive end as well. He, on the defensive end, I don't think we have a doubt. He's a great player. But if we give up on that right now, it's at Oladipo all over again. It's at Tobias Harris all over again. And now we're like, hey, if we had that piece all over again. So it's tough. That's why I say this year it's not going to happen. I don't think our front office moves quick at all they like to think things through they like to be right. um, they like to consider every single possible option first that's a good point so I just don't see it happening by the trade deadline. line will yeah. it happen in the summer maybe yeah and I, I agree with you yeah, I mean he's only 24 years old like okay let's say that we're able to grab Tobias Harris and add him to this team now oh my god how much impact would he be able to have yeah. then again what if we didn't let him go yeah, you know, there's, there's, and that's that's the tough part, and that's kind of kind of kind of glad that I'm what not is, the one yeah. at the end of the day making those yeah. tough decisions because it's, it's easier to see it that way now. At, at the same time, I, I just still think that you have too much in Eric Gordon, and we also we also look at those guys like Oladipo and, and Tobias, and we say, oh my God, look at what they've become. But who knows, you know, if, if they, they would have become that, that yeah. had they stayed here. I mean, you have to believe that Oladipo working with Russ. In OKC, made an impact in his in his game. Oh, in his sure for sure, for sure. And that's just that's just something that you can't predict. You can only go based on what you're seeing now, and what you've seen up to this point. But I will say this though: I trust this front office. I trust what they've done with the, the way they're developing the young guys. It's not the the Hennigan days anymore. You know where we drafted Mario and Peyton and all these guys who never became anything. To this day, they left Orlando and they still just. 
random players. So I think that's why I'm like, it's too early to give him up. I think we can all agree that we're we're torn on the Aaron Gordon front, but right. um, just jumping off Aaron Gordon and kind of landing into Stuff's Island. So this is a, a pretty neat um, segment that that's interesting, right? The way it works is that we're we're gonna discuss a player, and then you're gonna tell me whether or not you're buying property on that specific island, right? The the first island that we're we're jumping into is MCW. Ooh. You buying? Ooh. I mean, uh, so as Twitter would tell us, uh, this is a touchy subject. I think uh, MCW single-handedly last night uh, brought us back into the game. Four defensive stops in a row. I mean, you can see, again, the defensive end is not a problem with him. The problem that I have with him in the rotation at the moment is you got somebody like a Wondu, who we all want to see play get minutes. Um, So at this moment, I am not buying property. I just am not. I think um, FCW is, <clears throat> he's a little bit of a, of a confusing, you know, kind of topic because it, it feels like when he comes into the game late in games, like you saw last night against Atlanta, he's having four, five, six defensive stops in a row, mm-hmm. which is keeping us in the game because our offense wasn't working. And if it wasn't for those stops, we probably would have, you know, lost by 10 or more points. Easily, yeah. So it's, it's important to give MCW that credit and to understand and respect the fact that he is on that elite level of defense. The problem is the scoring. Um, and I don't know if he, if he can spend more time with a shooting coach. I don't know if it's an issue where he feels like he doesn't have a role that's uh, commanding a, you know, a shooting performance from him so his confidence is lacking or if he doesn't necessarily understand what his role is in the offense. Uh, but I, I think it's something that can be corrected. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm with you, Al. I don't think I'm, I'm buying property on MCW Island. Um, I'm honestly 50-50 with this. Um, there's positive and negatives to this. Um, MCW obviously is an elite defender. My problem is, are we playing him at the right position? Obviously, he played his whole NBA career as a point guard. And we're not even talking about the offense mm-hmm, side mm-hmm. of the point guard. Um, we're asking him to be a two and a three. We're asking him to guard two and threes, but we're also asking him to be offensively a two and three for us. And he's not which, that. Which is, he's not there right now for us. For a team that already we're not a great three-point shooting team, through the last two games we're 9 through 34 on our three-point field goals, which is very not great at all. Um, so 21%, huh? 21%. 21% is okay. really low right now. So And that bench lineup doesn't have too many shooters as well. I mean, we have Aminu and... Mobamba, who could pretty much shoot the trigger on that three-point line. And that kind of leads up to, you know, I would like to ask you guys, what do you guys think about Wandu? Should Clifford start maybe inserting him just to give us a little offensive spark? We're sitting at 94 points a game right now in the NBA. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not giving up. By I'm the not, way, 6 for 10 in the preseason. 6 for 10 in the three-point line on Wandu. I'm not giving up MCUW to give the Wandu's minutes. This is why. He, he's your point guard that you converted into your two and your three. He it could easily be your top five defender on the team. He's six foot five. Yesterday, you you put MCW mm-hmm. on Trey Young to slow him down. He had his instances where he had five, six stops, and it was him by himself. He's doing that. He's doing the steal. He's the one that's you know getting the the charge. He's he's putting in all that work. And what I love most about him, what I saw yesterday, is he got a steal, took it down the court. Went for a layup, missed it. The next play down the court, 
He takes it right back down. He's like, I'm not taking that layup. I'm slamming it in. Your 6'5 point guard. Your 6'5 point guard just did that. To me, that's right? not. He's our and most he, pretty player. And he's, he's playing a position that he's really doesn't have experience in. He's always played the one that's guard. True. So you converted a point guard to a two or three, and he's being your elite defender. And I think and, earlier we mentioned that we needed a player that was a dog, that had that greediness. I think that's what MCW brings to the table. I, so I, do, I do understand that point of it. My only concern with that is, again, the offensive end. We, we know we're, we're going to struggle in offense. We, we know that. We're not a great three-point shooting team. If Wondo gives you that, that play, you got to respect at least. you got to make sure that you defend them. MCW faults. You just know that, hey, let's forget about them. So now that tightens up the paint. That clocks it up for Gordon, for Vucevic. So now what do we do? Um, so that's where my concern comes in. If MCW is going gonna, is gonna to get that last rotation spot, we need to reassure our offense. Because it, it's fine. It's fine that he's getting all these stops and he's, he's getting these steals and, you know, that his defense is at such a high level. But at the same time, if he's going to the other end of the, uh, of the floor and he's, you know, making bad passes and giving up the ball on the other end or he's not scoring, what good is the, what good is the stops? It literally does not mean anything. No, 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 definitely for sure. Um, like I mentioned earlier, MCW is our most gritty player. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he's our heart and soul, but he's definitely, you know, he's the dog of our team. Um, I, I mentioned this to a lot of people. If it wasn't for us picking up MCW at that last 10, 15, 10, 15 games of last season, we might not be talking about a playoff appearance. That's he, true. He came That's in true. there and he gave us what Jeremy and Grant wasn't giving us. <clears throat> That's right. For he sure. came in, he picked up the slack, we made the playoffs. But now to me, is, he's our biggest yeah. reason we made the playoffs. I mean, to, to replace Wesley Wando, he only averaged five points a game last season. So it's not like he has to recoup a huge amount. You're not expecting Michael Carter Williams to, to hold you over. You're yes, expecting him to go out there, play mm-hmm. defense, grab some rebounds, be that guy that's on a on a one year contract, still trying to make his mark and making sure his career lasts a lot longer. So do you think he's facing the brunt of the criticism because he didn't like because he couldn't score? I think so. Because if the re- based on your argument, if the rest of the guys were you know um, doing what they were supposed to do and meeting their expectations points wise, then it wouldn't matter. We wouldn't be expecting MCW to drop 15 for us. I think that if it was the other way around, MCW wasn't getting minutes, and Awandu was in, we would be saying the exact same thing about Wesley Awandu. Mm. I think so. I mean, especially if he was shooting it at a poor range, from three-point range. If Awandu was not making his shots, I think that would happen. So, hey, should we play an MCW instead? Do you think Coach Cliff would have put Awandu on Trey Young? Yes. I think so. You think so? Wando's a pretty good defender as well. He's not on FCW's level, but I don't think he would have shy away from that either. I don't I don't see I don't see coach putting a Wando on on Trey Young. And 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 you're talking about from like a trust perspective. No, I'm talking about as like an actual like in game play. I'm a I'm gonna make the decision and put a Wando guarding Trey Young. Now if I had to choose I would go MCW. We're talking about length, six six compared to a Wando's six four, six five. Pretty close. Yeah. I would, at the at the moment, I would definitely agree with Anthony. Yeah, and I think defensively, it's no question. I think defensively, right now, I would say MCW is ahead of the pack when it comes to comparison in one duel to him. But my concern, again, goes back to what I said earlier, is that offensive piece. We, we're struggling. Again, we, we're going to win games. We know that because of our defense. We know that. But do we need MCW to be that defensive presence when we can't score? Like last night, I get it. He brought us in the game. He did all that for us. But, hey, a couple of three-pointers from one duel, well, that would have helped. 
last night. Yes. Well, that would make a difference. But again, I know last night's game is a bad example because if MCW by himself helped us in the fourth quarter, it's more of a overall in the next 80 games right. that we have left. And remember, we only lost that game by four points. Two, two made buckets from guys that missed shots that should have been made, and we'd be having an entirely different conversation. And the criticism for, for MCW would have never happened. So it's like, you know, we're kind of prisoners of the moment in that sense where, you know, you see you see this this happening with MCW and we lost by four. We needed those points. He wasn't giving us those points. That's the last thing we saw. That's who gets the blame. And to be fair, last season, there was none of this criticism for MCW. No. Yeah, everyone oh, no. knew no. about his he offensive struggles, season. but everyone was super hyped about him. More so because, all right, Jerry and Grant took the ball away Oof. from him, put somebody else in, yes. and MCW went in there playing really good hard defense. He did that's the same right. thing yesterday. Yesterday, it kind of seemed like everyone was on top of MCW, and the minute that happened, that's where he went off defensively. Had a really energy. big highlight reel. Right. You yeah. know? So but, it's one of those things where it's you know what you have with them. I think Coach Cliff has to make that decision of what is it that my team needs the most. Do I need a defensive correct. stopper, or do I need someone that can really shoot on the outside, which is something that Wesley and Wandu can do. And if Markel becomes that primary scoring option, you may see more of MCW Correct. because there'll be right. more offense to go around, which means that what is expected of MCW will be more realistic. It'll fit into what his game is, and he'll be able to benefit. That will be able to reap the benefits of his defense without having him, you know, put up 10, 15 points a game. I agree. I agree. How do you feel about Mobamba? Mobamba, um, you buy I'm selling. Um, it is too early. He's a big question mark. Um, Obviously, everyone's concern is his motor. I watch a lot of college basketball myself, and I noticed it right off the bat in in college, back in University of Texas, where he played at. He has the tools, you know, talking about a seven-footer with arguably one of the largest wingspans NBA has ever seen. Um, Second. The motor. Second. Taco Fall. Yes. Um, Obviously, the motor's not there. Um, He's picking and choosing when to play hard, not to play hard. Um, He's doing a great job of de- uh, developing his outside shot. He's definitely hitting him when he has to. It's just the motor. Um, what, we, what we need from a big man is, you know, somebody's going to go in there, dig deep, get those rebounds, hustle against these big men who are now stepping outside the three-point line. We need a big man who's able to chase those big men as well. Um, to me, my biggest thing is his motor. His motor. I don't see the motor. There. I don't see the heart. I don't see the hustle. So for me, uh, unfortunately, because I like him as a person, I like him as a human being, he's a great guy, but I'm selling right now. Um, I was impressed in his short minutes in preseason that he played. Um, he looked like he had turned that page. In the first game against San Antonio, especially, he looked like a beast out there. Look good. Like, here we go. Here's Bamba. He's arrived. And then the next few games happened. And I'm like, what happened to that Bamba that we saw, that energy, you know, that aggressiveness, boxing out? It's not there. Um, so for me, I'm going to keep it short and simple. I'm selling. Um, so his first game against Cleveland, he only so Cleveland and last night's game in Atlanta, he played the same amount of time, fourteen minutes. His first game with the Cleveland, he scored what seven points and seven rebounds. It wasn't a bad game. It's your second string center, right? He's in there as an intimidator. He's in there to 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 block, to grab rebounds. He's doing a lot. So I, I'm I'm saying I'm buying property in Mobamba. I'd say we give him a little bit. Uh, he was out majority of the season last season, so he's still trying to get back into the groove of things. Um, and I, I have a lot of confidence in Markel Fultz that he's going to put him in the best positions. I, I think um, a lot of it has to do with, with your point guard. And I feel that um, 
<clears throat> in addition to those two working together, I, I think he's going to be fine. We just got to give him time to get you know more more playing time and and to get you know his feet underneath him. And I'm I'm selling. I um I haven't been a, a Mo Bamba fan, and I. I had this conversation on, on another podcast I was on, but I, I believe that Ken Birch, although his ceiling is lower, has a higher floor at the moment. Um, obviously, Bamba has a higher ceiling. There's no one who can say that he can't become a great player. But when I look at what the Magic need now, um, and I'm not saying that we're in a win-now kind of mindset, but I think Birch fits better into Brings our more. offense. Yes. Uh, than Bamba does. I think we're kind of forcing Bamba to become this guy who he isn't necessarily going to become. Um, so I think it just it just really depends. I think Bamba will eventually figure it out. I don't know if that's this season, next season, the year after. Uh, but I think it, it was good that we kept Vooch. I could say that. For sure. Because yes. had we not re-signed Vooch, we would have been in trouble. Because sure. Bamba... Although, like, like like Mark said, he has all of the physical attributes to be great. His motor is a question mark. And it seems like he's lost a lot of times on defense. So at what point do you make that decision? At what point do you say, okay, Bamba isn't, isn't doing what we need from him. Maybe we should try something different and add Kim Birch back into the lineup. Obviously, last season, that was a big change for us, right? The minute that Bamba got hurt, we integrated Kim Birch, and then we started mm-hmm. winning games. That's right. His presence, he he does impact the game a lot. But at what point do you make that decision and say, hey, you know, let's hold off on Obama's development. We're not getting what we need from him. Let's try with the Canadian. That's a that's a good uh, question. I think it's going to be difficult to kind of determine that because I think Steve is going to be under a lot of pressure if he makes that decision and Kim doesn't pan out. Um, that's going to put a spotlight on him. So, I don't know. I, I definitely don't think that we're anywhere near that. I think Bamba is going to continue to receive his, you know, 14, 16 minutes a game. Uh, but ultimately, I think if we if we were playoff bound and we wanted to have success in the playoffs, Ken Birch would have to have that second center role and Bamba would have to take a seat. Unless things change. Unless he wakes up and he starts playing with energy. But again, that happening doesn't seem likely uh, anytime soon. But if he does turn the page, if he does, you know, play with energy... We're asking about 50 minutes a night, right? It's not like he needs to go it's out there much, and, no. and, and, you know, be this incredibly high-energy guy for the full 48 minutes. It's a little spark. While Vooch is resting, give us some energy. He's going to block shots. He's lying to his, uh, you know, he's going he's gonna to block shots. But we need a little more from him. We need that aggressiveness on pick and rolls, aggressiveness, um, chasing rebounds. It's just not there right now. Um, so if that changes, I can see him staying in the rotation. If not, I wouldn't want to be Coach Clifford. What about property on for Jonathan Isaac? I'm a big Jonathan Isaac fan. I'm going to buy. Um, like I said, there's so much potential in Isaac. Um, another thing that sticks out with me with Isaac is just the confidence. Um, going back to a few of the summer league um, stints that he had, um, there's no veteran on that team, obviously. So he's pretty much given the keys you know, to go out there and play. He's a seven-footer who can handle the ball just like a guard. I'm not worried about his shot too much. Shot, he can develop his shot. His shot has improved. To me, my biggest concern is his confidence, just going out there and just shooting. There's times where you see him involved. There's times you don't see him involved. He's still trying to figure out when to get in, when to get out. So for me, it's just a confidence thing. If he gets that confidence, I mean, I'm not comparing him to KD, but there's there's definitely glimpses of him, you know, being a great player. So for me, uh, 
Love Isaac as well. Uh, my, I'm going to buy on him right now. I am buying, but I'm not going to lie. I did buy a sign for sale. I'm thinking about putting it up, but not yet. <laughs> um, my thing with Isaac is, I don't know if it's the offense. I don't know if it's his confidence, going back to what Mark just said. He's just thinking too much out there when it comes to the offensive side of things. On defense, he's a beast. We know that. We see it. We're like, oh, my God, this guy is it's a stud. We know that. On offense, though, wide open look for three-pointers, and you see him hesitating, looking around to who's going to pass it first rather than just taking the shot. So I kind of wish he had the confidence that Markel had seen a shot. Yes. That he would have it. Because, again, he can shoot it. We know that. We see it warming up. We see it when he's uh, in practice. We see the videos. It's there. He doesn't have a bad shot. It's just not coming out in the games. One more thing I want to say on Isaac is he has missed a lot on offense. I see him hustling. I see him cutting to the basket wide open. And those passes are not getting to him. And he's a seven-footer. Those could be an easily eight points a game. Easily they could be averaging on those cuts to the basket for layups or dunks. Watch it. Next time you watch a Magic game, it's not happening. I don't know why. They just keep missing him. Um, but again, I'm, I'm buying for now. I was really hoping his um, experience with Team USA was going to transition mm-hmm. right into mm-hmm. the season. Yeah. I was really hoping that because he was really aggressive. Um, what I don't see is, so when Mark Hill comes into the game, the first thing he does is he hits a shot. He at least shoots it, attempts it. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Isaac, I feel, just needs to be more aggressive early on. And if there's one thing that, you know, because from what I heard is he, he put a lot of emphasis in his shooting. I haven't seen that. I haven't mm-hmm. seen him because he, he always runs the corner and then he shoots his um, corner three. And he's been struggling with that. Grant's only two games, but it's something that I honestly feel is, is we're missing that. It's something that we need. The more he takes his shot and his opportunity, the better it's going to be for everyone else to open up the floor. So for right now, I'm, I'm selling on him. I haven't seen what I want to see. It's still early on, but you know, hopefully it, he gets it all together. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy. I like Jonathan Isaac a lot. I think it's super impressive that he is seven feet tall and he can move the way he does. Yes. Uh, there's not a lot of players in the league who can do that. And at that size, uh, to move so quickly and decisively and to be so agile, you're going to get your points. Uh, I think DJ and, and Markel have to do a better job at, of getting him involved. Um, and his shot will come with time. I think it's a confidence thing as well. Once he realizes that he can take it into his own hands and be that, that primary scoring option. I think that's going to help him further develop. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm buying on Jonathan Isaac. I think uh, we're not too far away from seeing him become an all-star. I mean, he, he is a staple, right? He's, he is. He's the, the first draft pick from, from, the, new, from the new era. He's right. uh, a player that's versatile, uh, offense and defense. He's long. He's tall. He can shoot the ball, put the ball on the floor. He's likable, has a strong friendly personality, a guy that you would be proud to be the face of your franchise. Yeah, I mean, the Magic are investing a lot in him. You you see the marketing out there. It's it's all Isaac and Gordon. For the most part, you see those two guys out there a lot. Um, But again, you just cannot ignore the numbers. 30% from the field in the first two games, 0 for 4 from threes. I just, again, it's a little bit worrisome. Um, But again, hopefully that will come to an end pretty soon. So guys, we're kind of reaching the end of the of the podcast here. Uh, I wanted to spin it forward a little bit, look at the upcoming week uh, for the Magic, and get your predictions on what we're going to look like for that week. So this upcoming week, we got the Raptors, Knicks, Bucks, and Nuggets. How do you feel we're going to look? Man, I hope again, like I said earlier, I hope tomorrow is, is a wake-up call for us. We, we play well. We show that, hey, we're, we're here. Uh, so I'm hoping for a win tomorrow against Toronto. Um, the Knicks should be the easiest game of the week, so hopefully we get an easy win there. 
And then Toronto, uh, Denver and Milwaukee, I just want to at least win one of those. So I am hoping for a three-in-one week. Um, we, we can get it done. Who do you take? Who do you take <clears throat> that we lose to? Ooh, I think uh, Milwaukee might be the toughest game that we have this week. I think so. I think just the problem that Giannis presents, um, they can shoot it so well. Unless our defense is locked in, it's going to be a tough game for us. Um, I'm picking Orlando to go 2-2. Two and two. Um, I like our matchup against Toronto last year. Um, they kicked our butt in the first round, um, <laughs> four straight. So I feel like we're going to have a, a little bit of fire. Um, I'm expecting to see a lot from our forwards. Um, Pascal Siakam did have their numbers last year. I expect Gordon and Jonathan Isaac to, you know, step up to his level. Um, New York, I can see a win with New York. I'm not worried about New York too much. As far as the, our, you know, championship contender opponents, Milwaukee and Denver, I don't think we're there yet. Um, our, I'm just worried about our offensive end. We haven't cracked 100 points this season yet. Um, Milwaukee's a great defensive team as well, so they're definitely going to challenge us on the offensive end. I don't see any blowouts. I believe it will be close games, mm-hmm. but when it's time to put the bucket in the basket, I think Milwaukee and Denver might be able to grind us out as of right now. I don't see us breaking even. I don't see us being 2-2 two and two for this week. I think it's either going to be on one end of the spectrum or the other. We're either going to be 3-1 mm-hmm. so. or 1-3. One, one of the two is happening. You know, Every team goes through adversity. I can see this team going through adversity right away. You know, we already had the tough loss against Atlanta. Um, we This has to be a bounce-back game. I, I feel we have to win against Toronto. Losing back-to-back is something that has to be a staple that we just don't do. Mm-hmm. And we right. have to be able to set that um, expectation right away. So um, it's either 1-3 and three or 3-1 three and one for me. I think I'm going to go uh, with Mark and, and, and say 2-2. Two and two. Uh, The reason being, I think we are going to come out with a fire against Toronto, especially losing, like you said, four in a row. Yes, yes, I agree. Against them in the playoffs. Um and I, I, I don't know, like, the Knicks, people look at as an easy win, but they have some guys in the, in the paint that cause some issues. Mitchell Robinson is a monster on defense. Um, and Kevin Knox, Julius Randle, those are guys that, you know, are motivated, are good guys, are developing. So I don't think it's going to be as easy of a win. Um, and I think we're actually, between Milwaukee and Denver, I think we're going to steal one of those games. I think so, too. Um, I think we're gonna be we're gonna be motivated to play those guys. We want to be mentioned, uh, you know, in the same sentences with those guys. And to do so, you have to beat them. And we'll go we'll go out with a little bit of extra motivation. And I think if if Markel uh, plays well against, for example, Milwaukee, I think his pace could be could be a little bit of an issue for them. They like to kind of set their defense, um, and that's been an issue for us in the past because we slow down when we're on the on their side of the court and kind of pass on the outside. I think if Mar- Markel can penetrate, kick out, I think it could cause some issues. I do have a question for you guys. Who do you think out of the Orlando Magic roster needs to step up this week? We got four games this week. Who do, who do we that's need to see more? That's easy. That's easy for me. Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon. I need, Aaron to, Gordon. I need to feel your presence. AG, if you're listening to this, I need to feel... Your presence. I need not just you to score 15, 20 points. I need you to be active on defense. And I need you to be that motivator for the guys. I need you to, to you know, be be the face of the franchise. Be the guy that people look for as, as a motivating factor and, and uh, an impactor of the game. I agree with Aaron Gordon. I want to see more from Terrence Ross. I feel he is the, he's a leader of our bench. Um, as good as Markella is, you know, being... Uh, integrated in our second unit, I think Terrence Ross. That's that's his 
he's supposed to get the respect of being the sixth man of the year. No doubt. Right? No, he, he broke the record of, or he led the NBA for having the most threes off the bench. Right? Mm-hmm. Get back to that. Get back into the game and and make an impact right away, defensively and offensively. He has to be that guy for us. One last question. Does Markel start? Nah. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. I think think the pressure's getting there. Fans on Twitter are are now wondering if it's going to happen anytime soon. I kind of like what Clifford is doing. He's not starting him, but he's in there within the first few minutes. And then he's actually closing out games, as we saw uh, against the Hawks. So... I don't think you have to start him just yet. That pressure might be too much right away. Um, and not for nothing. we got to trust what has been working, which is having VJ Augustine out there, at least for now. Now, mid-December comes around, different conversation. Now, Markel Fultz did finish the game last night, I believe. He did. Over DJ Augustine. And just one more fun fact out of that, they both split even 24 minutes. They've been doing that the last couple of games. So, so I think we're, we're not seeing like DJ starting and playing 30 minutes. He's actually... Sharing the minutes with yes, um, with Markel, so it'll be fun to see for sure. Uh, I think it's the start of it. He ended the game um, yesterday. I think we're going to see more and more of that. Yes. Uh, Steve Clifford, he came out publicly said we were just better with him on the floor. Yeah. Everyone sees that. That's that. 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 no secret. Um, so I, I think that we start to see him play more minutes than DJ Augustine until he finally just takes over as the starting point guard. Yeah. With time, though, I think it's going to take a little more than a couple games. Yeah, I think I think from the way in my head, I'm thinking mid December. Just you give that month and a half of the team to kind of see if they click. If they don't, defense is not there. The offense is not there. Let's switch it up a little bit. Um, so we'll see. All right, guys. Any final thoughts? I think we covered most of the uh, action so far through one week. I know uh, there was a lot going on with the team. I think we did a good job covering everything. It's been an exciting week, no doubt. It's the first week of the NBA season. Um, we're just getting started here. This was fun. I'm, I'm excited for, for future podcasts. I'm excited to see this team grow and develop. And, you know, hopefully we can keep getting this content out, you know, once a week as the plan is. So we'll definitely be on the lookout. We're excited. We hope you're excited and more to come. Thank you for uh, tuning in. And now let's get out of here. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Ozone Podcast, the voice of Magic fans. Catch us every Monday wherever you listen to your podcast.